welcome to the Digital Dark Age. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you today? Good afternoon. No, healthy and alive. Yeah, doing well. Uh, yeah, not, not really much to report here. No? Life is still normal. steaming over yesterday? Um, I mean, it, it took me a while to, um, uh, to, to calm down. It did, yeah. Um, I, I did actually get a little heated, um, though you, you didn't hear it as a listener. So the, um, I, I think both of us got a little heated, but you know, as I said, as I said offline, the, the part that you, the listener, you didn't hear, it's important to have that dialogue yeah. with someone you don't agree with. See, that's the whole point. See, everyone thinks free speech is about, oh, well, that's okay. As long as you agree with me. No, free speech is about someone you don't agree with. That's the point of it. And a viewpoint that you don't agree with. That's why we can talk these things out. We can have the dialogue. But today, uh, we're not going to talk too much onto that today. We'll get onto that uh, here in a day or two. But last night, very interesting. It was a little bit different. Uh, as uh, you, the listener, you're probably thinking, okay, well, where were you guys trying to go with that? Well, last night was more of a meet and greet kind of thing. So uh, it was a different viewpoint. And we wanted to sit down and have the conversation from a different side of things. And so none of us were sure where that was going to go. And so we, we just went with it. We're not script readers. So we just go with things as they come to us. And that's that's what last night was. Uh, but it was last night with someone that had a different a different viewpoint. And we welcome that viewpoint, even if it's different. We welcome that viewpoint. And, and we want to hear it. We want to have that dialectic. So that's what we did. Uh, and it won't be well, the last one. To be to be fair um, or, or clear, the interaction is welcome. Uh, but I don't really welcome the viewpoint. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> but it's that's it, though. I mean, it's it's the uh, it's the uh, the opposing viewpoint. It's like I I really don't agree with that. You know, I welcome the fact that you have an opinion, but give me the same courtesy. You know, so I mean, I, yeah, I, I've I've always said, okay, fine, we have a differing of opinion. I respect the fact you have a different opinion, but allow me to have the same one. But when you get to the right. extremes. When you get to the extremes, it becomes increasingly more difficult. It's one thing to, to simply disagree on ideas about something on the surface. But when you get to the extremes and you start dealing with extremes, which that's not what we were doing, though we were discussing where the extremes lead. When you get to an extreme, they want their way or no way. And that's it. Uh, either side. It doesn't really matter where you come from. But um, but that, that's the way that it is. I, I got heated over the thing, not because, well, I, I do vehemently disagree with the idea of of going communist and socialist. So those ideas do kind of, uh, you know, I'm pretty passionate about not wanting to go down that road because every time we've done it, people die and I don't want to see people die. Right. So I, I'm pretty strongly against it. But it's collect collectivism that, as a whole, it's a failure. Yeah, right. But but putting that aside, the, the thing that it was not towards the person, it was towards the idea that some of the misconceptions of the US, right? Some how the media and everything has propagated such a, a skewed perspective of what the US is like. You know, some of the some of the ideas of I mean, the extreme views of God and guns and we will die protecting those. It's not an extreme that's, view. That's not inaccurate, but at the same time it is because like I was saying off recording, I don't think it said it on, the extremes here in the US are really small, right? It's more of a curve. And when you get to like the far left and far right, they're at the bottom of the curve. And then in, there in the middle, that's where the, the, the apex or the, the high point of the curve is. And what, what that represents is the population, right, of the US. So the closer you get to the middle, the more people that are there. But when you get to the edges, there's nobody there or, or very few there, if you will. I just, I, it, it kind of, kind of bugs me that, um, 
there, there's such an extreme view of, of it, it basically grinds me saying, for example, if you're not supportive of BLM, you're racist. That level, that type of speak annoys me because there's, there's a gray area there. Humans aren't one or the other, right? It's, there's different grades, gradients or, or, you know, ranges of that. So for example, I'm against BLM, the corporation, but I'm not get against Black Lives Matter, the phrase. But if you talk to someone on the left, that's hardcore left, you're racist. So using that as an example, that's what, that's what grinds me. It's a fair point. Just on a side note, what does this look like to you? Um, looks like either a bong or crack pipe or something. That, my friend, is crack pipe. That's what that okay. is. That's what that okay. is. Do you want to uh, know where uh, the, do you want to know where I'm looking at this? Yeah. Wait, you can buy that on Amazon? On Amazon. And look how much it costs. Uh-huh. Uh, interesting. I, I was <laughs> looking at how they're listing the product. Can like you, what, they what call it, it, they call it an, a glass oil pipe is what they're calling it. <laughs> interesting. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Hey, uh, you know, with it being decriminalized though. It's not decriminalized here. Now, you can't, that's, it's illegal here. Yeah. But in the U.S., I, you know. Oh, it's just, that's disgusting. Anyway. All right. Well. Speaking of having a dialogue, Bruce, whether you agree with the person or you don't agree with the person, speaking of the dialogue, it is important to have the dialogue. Agreed. In all contexts and in all forms. And with Corona and everything that we have today, obviously everything is transitioned to um, online learning and virtual this and virtual that. I mean, we do a virtual studio here more or less, and, uh, and it works out very well for us. We can be anywhere pretty much in the uh, in the world and we can have actual guest on. We don't do video on your end as the listener for various reasons, not just one or the other. But here we do video uh, amongst ourselves because it gives us an option to not only present things like what I just did, like, hey, Bruce, look at this. Amazon selling crack pipes <laughs> like they are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So not, not only that, I mean, not only am I sharing that virtually, but I mean, it's almost like Bruce is sitting right across the table from me, which more or less he, he would be, whether or not yeah. he's here or not. I mean, it's, if he was here, we'd be sitting across the table doing the same thing. So it doesn't matter. Right. But we have the ability to bring in people from all over the world from our homes. But it also it allows us to have that interaction and gauge each other's responses based on uh, their behavior. And and that's a big part. Uh, and if, if you noticed, w I mean, we've made a lot of improvements over the last uh, six to eight months since we started doing this. Uh, and we started going, you know, the whole virtual uh, multi-cam route and all that stuff and doing all the software stuff and everything. And it's just, it, it's been, it's, I can definitely tell a change. If you go back and listen to some of our earlier ones prior to that, you can tell that we're gauging each other's reactions a lot better now based on behaviors. And, and we take our cues off each other a lot faster now. So yeah. the thing is though, what if we could go a step further with that? What if, What if we could go to the next level with it. And you ask, well, okay, how can you do that? What if you could physically stand in someone else's living room or in someone else's office or stand in a conference room, but you weren't actually there? What about that? So a company wants to put a human-sized hologram booth in your home. Over the last several months, obviously, we've gotten very used to communicating over video chats, right? Zoom, FaceTime, uh, Google Meeting is now the thing, or Google Meet, whatever it is. Uh, and there's a couple others, Skype and, and a few others that are out there. And the thing is, though, is a lot of these things have replaced in-person meetings. Well, what if you could actually have someone standing in your in your living room or in your meeting room or whatever? But there's a company that's kind of, it's a startup, right? It's a it's a startup company that's doing this. Yes. And, and what they've done, they've created this little, it's almost like a vending machine size thing. 
And it literally stands in the corner of your room. And someone on the other end stands in front of a white screen and has, of course, all the lighting and everything and a camera on them. But while they're standing in that setting, they're also projecting themselves in this booth right in front of you. So think about this. And they, they kind of paint a picture here. And, and this is we've seen the video on this and the demo on this in, in real time. And it seems to do exactly what they say it does. Uh, now, they say, picture this. You're sitting in your living room having a cup of coffee when the phone booth size box in the corner rings, alerting you that you have an incoming call. Obviously, this is not quite the size of a smartphone just yet. Now, you accept it. And within a few seconds, your best friend, your partner, your grandmother, your boss appears in the box in the form of millions of points of light engineered to look and sound exactly like the real person. And the real person is on the other end of the line. As I said, they're standing in front of the screen, talking to you in real time as their holographic likeness moves around the box. You can see their gestures, their body language and facial expressions, just as if they were really there with you. How much does this thing cost? $60,000. $60,000. I've seen this technology before, and it was used a, a few years back. I think they put, uh, what's his name? Uh, the rapper. What, what the hell is his name? Tupac. Tupac. Yeah, they put him on a stage and and uh, and they can recreate this technology. They, they've basically taken that technology and they've put it in a compact form for your house. The box is an epic hollow portal, and it's made by a company called Portal, uh, a company whose founder was inspired by exactly that, Tupac's hologram, after seeing the 2012 performance. David Nussbaum was quickly bought... Uh, quickly bought the patents for the technology that made it possible. And he's been working on turning the tech into something useful, fun, and scalable ever since. And I think he's actually onto something. Honestly, I think he's onto something. The closest thing I've seen to this has been in sci-fi stuff, right? You watch a sci-fi movie, sci-fi TV show. That's the closest thing I've seen to this. But of course, that obviously in in regard is set to, you know, twenty-four, uh, the 24th century. So uh, this is... Well, I um, mean- Use a use a, a a very well known example, Star Wars, right? Look at the 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 very first one, Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. That was a hologram. Fair basically. point. Yeah. Okay. Fair point. The little R two thingy, you know, that was mm -hmm. zipping around. Yeah. Okay. Fair point. Yeah. The little projection. Yeah. All right. I, I can see that. However, this in real time. I mean, this could change a lot of things if this actually, regardless of, I'm gonna say regardless. Like I'm stuck with that now because of Joe Biden. <laughs> but regardless of that, I think that. That this has uh, something that is it, it has potential for the world going forward, the way that everything's moving, regardless if things ever go back to a uh, what you think would be some kind of a sense of normal or something like that. I think that this technology is something that uh, that we can look forward to in the future. And the price is going to come down. I mean, it was one hundred thousand dollars when it first came out. And now a few years later, we're down to 60. I give it a couple more years. We're going to see that cut in half, probably with the advances and everything. And then I think the first I think the first people that are going to be jumping on board with this are going to be corporations. They're the ones that yeah. are going to want their people and and their CEOs, their board members, their v executive VPs and all the like. They're the ones that are going to be making the appearances. So you need some kind of a, of a high profile venue to put them out there as physically as possible without actually being there. And I think this could do it. Uh, last month, they raised three million dollars in funding led by. Silicon Valley venture capitalist, kind of figured that's where it was coming from, uh, Tim Draper. Uh, Nussbaum said he sold a hundred epics and has pre-orders in excess of a thousand, and a dozen of the devices have already been delivered, with clients including malls, malls, really? Airports, movie theaters, which is kind of strange because those are all places that aren't really frequented right now, so why would you put some of those in there? I I'm, I'm kind of perplexed by that. 
Well, no, you'll, you'll be allowed to go to those venues once you get a vaccine. Oh, right, right. Yes, of course. Of course, a, a useless vaccine that doesn't work. Uh, in fact, the way that they're putting this, and I, I agree with the statement right here, it says, in fact, Portal may not have gotten the funding if it weren't for the pandemic at all. And that's probably true. The way that things were trending, it might have taken Maybe. longer. It might have taken longer. I think it just pushed it ahead is all because of the virtual stuff. Now, speaking of the virtual thing, Baltimore City Schools, you mentioned before we started Baltimore City Schools, they have been closed, obviously, because of Corona. So they've all gone virtual. Everything's online learning. And so they found that that's not exactly as flawless as it turns out to be, is it? No. Wednesday uh, of last week, they, they closed, obviously, for Thanksgiving. They announced Saturday uh, that the closures will continue because of... Um, ransomware. Basically, for those that aren't aware, ransomware is essentially a virus that locks you out of using your computer until you pay a ransom, basically. And then the perpetrator unlocks your system, basically. We've seen other high profile ones where uh, it was a law firm, I think, that a lot of celebrities used. They refused to pay the ransom. And so the um, hackers threatened to release all the information. That's basically, it's just a, you know, your typical textbook ransom. Uh, that's basically what this is in software form. Uh, uh, it, it affects roughly 115,000 students. So, I mean, that's not a problem at all. The only way to really subvert that is to uh, either have a uh, the software to remove it or do a complete purge, which means the loss of all students' grades and all that, because more than likely, they probably don't have backups. Um, knowing depends on how thorough the hacker is and how good their IT department is at the school, which clearly is questionable since they got ransomware. Odd that we have only heard of this one case. I can't believe that they haven't tried to go after other areas around the country or the, well, to be fair, the Europeans, they're not doing virtual learning for the most part, not that I'm aware of. They're still doing schools here, like the schools are still in. So uh, as far as I know, I, I could be mistaken. I mean, they might have, I think they sent the students home for a little while for something, but uh, as far as I know, the schools are still in. I still see kids walking to school. So it's it's still there. Uh, the virtual learning's just not it's not here. I mean, people don't really people don't have time to do that stuff. Can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine having to to go through all that? I I really feel for the uh, the average parent out there that's having to do all this. You have to adjust all of it. You know, your life to to have uh, your kids at home. We're not designed to operate like this. Not until we make some very serious changes. And that's not saying okay, well we're going to do this now in a matter of. I don't know what, six months to a year because we have to over 0.14% or whatever the hell it is. It's ridiculous. Yeah. What are you going to do when you find something out there? One of these days it comes by, it comes through to 3% or 5%. What are you going to do then? Well, I mean, that's what they thought it was in the beginning yeah. is 3%. Uh, but well, you couldn't honestly, trust, you couldn't trust the numbers coming out of China. You couldn't. Right. Well, it's still, if you, if you, um, only go after the recorded uh, infection rates, uh, you know, the, the ones that we actually know about, it's still like a 2% fatality rate. Basically, the, the reason it's gotten so low is they're saying it could be up to 22 times greater infection rate than what we're seeing just because anywhere from 60 to 80% of the people that get COVID are a asymptomatic. But going back to online learning, you also run into the issue of uh, students that are, shall we say, um, skilled with software could take this opportunity being all online to um, tweak their grades a little bit. And, you know, the, they would never know 
if you if you do it right. So I mean, can't say I wouldn't be one of those students. I was gonna um, say I I probably would have done that. I'm like, look, I ain't got time for this, man. I got real stuff to do. Yeah. Like, give me that two plus oh, two. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who who really liked doing schoolwork? Really? I mean, seriously, who who really liked it? I surely didn't. But speaking math, of holding I did. Math you did? Okay. I math, did, yeah. math wasn't one of my strong subjects. I was always I was more into like um you know, social studies and, and history classes and stuff like that. Of course, I guess that kind of transferred over, didn't it? But, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So you talk. All right. So being held hostage. All right. That's being held hostage on the ground in an academic sense and in a sense where you're you're being ransomware. So you're being held hostage for for finances. What if you were held hostage at 30,000 feet? What if that was the case? And you say, what are you talking about? Well, the way the technology is, and the way that you have the uh, the advances in, in aviation once airlines start coming back. And, um, well, we're just going to have to wait and see where that one goes, because if the airlines are going to start taking the path that I think they're going to start taking the path of, then the airlines are going to find themselves in a world of trouble because people aren't going to fly, except for the uh, except for the lemmings. I expect the lemmings to fly, but the lemmings always fly because they are uh, anyway. But what am I meaning by this? What am I meaning by being held hostage at 30,000 feet? I'm not talking about a hijacker. I'm not talking about uh, somebody that's going to go up there and, and hold the, the pilots hostage. What if a hacker would hack the plane? Look at the fly-by-wire systems that Airbus uses, right? Any company that uses fly-by-wire. There's a way through. There's a way through, of course. You get on the in-flight Wi-Fis. There's, there's doorways. Not fly-by-wire. It would be um, computer-assisted. Fly-by-wire is a, an actual physical. It, it would be where your control stick is literally connected uh, to a wire, not not a... Yeah. Not a wire as an electrical wire, but a wire as in a physical connection. So think your old school like biplanes prop jobs back then, you know, back yeah, in the day is, when we didn't have computer thing. assisted. Yeah, but fly by wire is what they use on the, the new Airbuses. That's a different thing. So they've they've repurposed the term that was used yes. in old Okay. Yes. Okay. That's my so understanding. Because when they actually understood. when they actually <laughs> use the thing, it no, you're right. It is it is the stick, but it's and I, I have a friend of mine who's a pilot, I, and he would explain this better than I would, but um, the, the way that you actually control it is, uh, you know what? I'm just going to look it up because I don't want to get this wrong. Airbus fly-by-wire. There we go. This is what it is. It's a computer-controlled system in the A320 and A330 series, and now the A340 uh, and the A350 that have them. And it replaces conventional flight controls of an aircraft, like those found in the 737, which we're going to talk about in a second, with an electronic system. And the pilot inputs to the stick side in the flight deck and are converted to electric signal electronic signals transmitted by wires thus the term fly by wire so you weren't wrong they've just brought it up right, to so the they, to the new age yeah they just re reformatted the term if you yeah. will yeah so in flight airplanes can now be hacked from the ground this is a warning from uh, from cyber experts researcher ruben santa marta is set to demonstrate how to tamper with planes via satellite communications, SATCOM technology. So see, they don't even have to go in through. I was thinking they would go in through the uh, the Wi-Fi system of the plane. No, they don't even have to do that. They could just do it through the uh, the satellite transponder, I'm assuming. That's how they're going to do it. Well, th this is where things get interesting, too, when we talk about computers. There's actually a way to hack someone's computer through the power cable. So your computer could be completely disconnected from Wi-Fi or the Internet altogether. It is completely on its own. And yet you can still hack the computer through the power cable. It, 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 it's crazy what you can do with, with um, electronics nowadays. Uh, it, it, it's, you could even hack a computer now that's uh, not connected using a wireless connection, right? 
So you're using a wireless connection to basically bombard the motherboard with um, the the right. Um, obviously, that would be more difficult. Anyway, that's that's a side note, and um, I'm I'm legitimately concerned about this guy, this this um, a, a, as you will uh, white uh, white hat hackers. There was one here recently, a few years back. He was like, um, we can hack the human body and we can also hack like pacemakers and hack those kind of things. Um, he was found dead in his hotel room uh, when he was going to a conference to explain that. So he was found dead the night before. Natural causes, of course. He was young, 30s, 40s, I believe. So I, I'm legit concerned that something like this is going to get swept under the rug again. So let's say you want to hack a plane. What would you do? Well, let's let's hear how this man describes it. He says some of the largest airlines in the U.S. and Europe could be exploited by hackers and adversaries to reveal NATO bases and conflict zones. So they're saying that's yeah, they could uh, they, they could find these things. Building on research first published in 2014, Ruben uh, Santa Marta, an expert at cybersecurity company IO Active, will tell attendees at 2018's Black Hat Hacker Conference in August how entire fleets of airplanes were left accessible from the Internet, leaving hundreds of in-flight craft at risk. His talk, using the same name as previous research, er, as the previous research report, is titled Last Call for SATCOM Security. He says that he has now proven his previous theories, which suggest ships, aircraft, military personnel, emergency services, media, and industrial facilities were all vulnerable, and is now able to demonstrate exactly how a plane's, hey, I was right, Wi-Fi network can be tampered with from the land below. It wasn't too far off. Uh, and this is a quote from him. He says, as far as I know, I will be the first researcher that will demonstrate that it's possible to hack into communication devices on an in-flight aircraft from the ground. We also managed to get access to important communications devices in the aircraft itself. He's also working on how to hack into these new uh, uh, electric cars, you know, all the ones with like all the Teslas and all the gizmos and gadgets and everything. Uh, he's, he's working on some of that now. Uh, he's he's experimenting with that on how to get it, which I mean, that's a good thing. You have companies out there trying to do this. It's a good thing it you is. have that. I would hate to have one of the self-driving cars get hacked, you know, on like drive a you off scale. a cliff. We, we've, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you could easily hack that. And um, if, if there's no trace left, uh, you could basically try to kill someone. Um, like a high profile somebody or or some I, I mean it just the implications are pretty dangerous and then when we go to the to the level of um well um getting rid of all fossil fuels as they're wanting to do once we get to that point and we have everybody driving self-driving cars because it'll be illegal for you to drive your own car because it's too dangerous you know it'd be illegal to, gonna it'd be illegal to drive your own car right now if they could yes if they could um yeah if they could yeah you know the nanny state's going to do that but could you imagine a large scale hack like that? Like you just hack the um, uh, centralized hub or something that controls controls these uh, cars or, or is a just a transition hub for the information to go through. Could you imagine somebody hacking that and then causing all the cars to go berserk at once? I think they kind of did that in uh, in one of the uh, it was a movie that was on not too long ago. I, I saw a part of it and they accessed all these cars simultaneously in an entire city block and they were just like dumping them out of like car parks and, and all kinds of stuff and driving them off the side of the uh, the parallel parking stuff. And it's yeah, it's just crazy. Uh, but he said, and I'm quoting again here, he says, this has to be explained carefully. <laughs> well, I hope so. And we've all got the technical details backing our claim. It's not an apocalypse. 
but basically there are some scenarios that are possible. He says that, of course, he said this, adding that uh, he will show SATCOM devices being weaponized by leveraging the security flaws. Uh, we should also point out that when, when they're talking about security flaws there, it's kind of similar to uh, a physical safe, for example. It's measured in, in the amount of time it takes to hack a system, or, or, or in this case, a safe, it, how long it takes you to break into it. Hacking is on the same level of that. You can't currently, you cannot make a system perfectly impenetrable. It's not possible because basically common denominator is humans programmed it means humans can hack it. That, that's that's basically what it boils down to. So until we can get to the point to where all security systems are like quantum computers and nobody else is allowed to have a quantum computer other than these security agencies, well, then you won't be able to hack it. But the minute someone gets a hold of a, a quantum com computer, that's it. It's done. You're, you're going to be able to hack it again. Same with the blockchain system. It's safer, but again, still can be hacked. So it's not we can't create anything that's perfect. We can only create things that are more difficult to hack so that the criminal will go somewhere else, right? It's like your house on the block, right? You have a security system, but your neighbor doesn't. So it's more likely that your neighbor will get broken into than you because it, it's too much trouble to go through your alarm system and everything in your place versus theirs. Kind of the same idea. Uh, it goes on to say here that uh, Robert Hickey, aviation program manager at the agency's science and technology uh, directorate, said during a security conference in Virginia that much of his work remains classified, but it revealed it didn't take long to develop a working hacking exploit. And this is I'm quoting. He says, we got on the we got on an airplane in September on September 19th, 2016. Mind you, four years ago. Notice they wait a, sig a significant amount of time to bring this out. It could also be they're they're trying to get the companies to make the changes behind the scenes. Right. right. And when the companies don't, then they bring it out to the public and say, look, these are security risks and try to, you know, get some leverage there. Two days later, I was successful in accomplishing a remote, non-cooperative penetration. Uh, he confirmed that he and his team were able to break through the network using radio frequency communications. Two days. Two days. That's all it took. It was two days. While the research was alarming, showing how future terrorists could take over planes using technology alone, Boeing stressed at the time that there was, quote, no hack of the airplane's flight control systems. <laughs> Uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I, I know people that, that have their own private companies that do a lot of work in data and things like that. And they've had hackers contact them specifically. And they say, look, I'm a professional hacker. And and this is what I do. I go in and I try and find flaws in, in uh, business and security. And this is what I found on yours. And here's how I want you to, uh, to, to fix it. And there are nice ones out there that actually do that. So if someone actually gets a hold of it and says, Hey, look, this is a security risk. You might want to know about it. I mean, that would be me. You know, I would be that guy. I would say, hey, you know, there's a security risk. Here, here's what you need to know in order to stop this. Yeah, it's a white hat, basically. It's, it's kind of what the the term is uh, or slang. But honestly, the the it's kind of a sketchy business to get into because even if you're a white hat and you're doing it to help people, technically it's still illegal. <laughs> You could still get in trouble if a company turned on you. You could still get in trouble. <laughs> yep, that's true. Santa Marta has been warning of the hacking risks for years. And you better listen to people like this because it's coming. As we get into a more digital world, then this is going to be more and more prevalent. And I'm quoting here again. We live in a world where an ever-increasing stream of digital data is flowing between continents. Just what we do here, right? This is all digital, what we're doing here right now. And it's flowing between continents. And it's in real time. It is clear that those who control communications traffic have the upper hand. 
The ability to disrupt, inspect, modify, or reroute traffic provides an opportunity to carry out surveillance or conduct cyber attacks. And he added, when it comes to security, it is no longer acceptable to rely on perceptions. I think we've kind of been preaching that since day one here, haven't we? Yeah. The other thing is, what what really bothers me is when a company says, when there's presented a, hey, you guys have a security risk, and the company responds, oh, no, there, there's no security risk here. That's a problem. I, I personally would run from those companies, run away from them. It, it, it purge all your data from that company if you can, basically, because that company will get hacked. That that is literally them painting a, a bullseye on their on their chest, saying, "Come after me." It, it's so foolish for a company to say that. So I'm glad we have these uh, white hats out here doing this, revealing it to us. What about Facebook? I mean, they've been they've been a target over the recent uh, months. Of course, Zuckerberg's in the news every other day now. Facebook messenger. There. A lot of data stored there. I mean, you could almost call that a hacker's dream. Hell, you don't even have to be a hacker to uh, to gather all that information from Facebook. People, you, if you look at what people put out there, man, people are crazy. Are you on Facebook? You, the listener, are you on Facebook? What information do you have out there? What photos of your life do you have out there? We've been arguing about uh, the privacy and and, um, and security risks of of social media for going on two years now since we started this. We started, I think, the first week we were warning about that. Facebook Messenger. How many of you use Facebook Messenger? Well, if you're on Facebook, you know what? I know people that are not on Facebook that use Facebook Messenger. That's all they use because they have their account deactivated. But Facebook conveniently lets you use their Messenger service even if you don't have a Facebook account. Well, how nice is that? Of course, and they also own WhatsApp now, right? Yep. We're on the dark side of that. We own the other one. <laughs> we're we're on the uh, we're on the one that can't be hacked. Uh, at least, mm-hmm. well, the company the company they they openly say, "Hey, look, here's our code." They put it out. They say, "Here's our code. If you can hack it, we'll give you three hundred grand." I like that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I like that. That government that's a government business model. That is a better business model. And you know something, <laughs> governments hate it. governments hate it. They can't stand because they can't crack it. <laughs> they don't like it. Yeah, but give it time. If that yeah, experiment that that Google and NASA did here a while back, and they, they mm-hmm. did that um, quantum computer thing yeah. and figured that calculation. If we can stabilize that, we did we ever talk about the time crystal thing? Uh, we can talk about that in a minute. Let's finish off with hackers here. Facebook Messenger, there's a, there, of course, it's just a bug. It, that's all it is. It's just a bug. There's a Facebook Messenger bug. I'm doing the air quotes. There's a bug. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's always a bug. Don't worry. Facebook was just watching you and listening to you on your phone, but that's just a bug. Apple was just watching watching you and listening to you. That's just a bug. It's nothing. Nothing to be worried about. Did I tell you I caught my microphone on the other day? I I didn't tell you that, did I? No, you didn't. Yeah, I I caught it on. I turned my I turned the screen on real quick and I just saw an icon in the uh, in the top right just briefly appear and then disappear. And it was the microphone. So it was it was almost like they clicked it on, then they clicked it off real quick. But I caught it. Mm-hmm. It was only up there for a few seconds. Uh, Facebook Messenger bug, right? It's just a, just a bug. Let hackers eavesdrop on their target's phone. How long was this bug there? Uh, well, because uh, it's, it's just just a bug. I mean, it just just pops it, up. I'm sure, it was a well, software problem. It was no big deal, right? If the bug has been there for like three to six months, it's no longer a bug. It's a feature. Well, they say that they say that the Facebook, well, Facebook, they, they say that, but now here, let, let, let me let me pretext with this. Facebook has reportedly patched a bug in its messenger app for Android that allows hackers to call unsuspecting targets and listen to them before they even pick up the audio call. That was the bug, right? Now they yeah, said, now that, Facebook, was, 
that was only meant to be for the the government officials. That wasn't meant to be out right. for everybody. Yeah. Right. Sure. Okay. Sure. Facebook say that they've they fixed the bug. All right. They say that the bug in its messenger app for Android that allowed hackers to call targets to listen before they even picked up the phone. Natalie uh, Silvanovich of Google's Project Zero bug hunting team reported the issue to Facebook. Let's see. Google, Google cares. Right. They care. They they care that that Facebook had this bug. Right. They reported it to Facebook on October 6th. So the vulnerability. So, yeah, it's been a few minutes. It's just, it, it takes some time. Right. It takes some time to, to get in there and, and fix that kind of stuff. I mean, you have to we don't. you have to think, Bruce, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We got people working from home, texts are out of the office. We we don't have we don't have the, the resources or the priority to get in there and fix that right away, you see. But I mean that, I'm sure they got it as, as quickly as possible with with minimal risk to the end user. How, how's my how's my corporate jargon and my corporate that, answers? That that is spot on. <laughs> is it <laughs> the vulnerability could have granted an attacker who was logged in the messenger app the ability to simultaneously initiate a call and send a specific message to a target who was signed into both the app as well as another messenger client like a web browser. Facebook security engineering manager Dan Gerfinkel explained, this is a quote, it would have then triggered a scenario where the device is ringing, the caller would begin receiving audio either until the person being called answers or the call times out. So see, they'll just grab all that audio in there. They'll just scoop all that up and scrape all that off. In the meantime, I mean, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's nothing. I'm sure they wouldn't pick up on anything too too bad and too personal, too private in there. How long was that bug there before they, it was reported? Well, I'm tr- <laughs> Bruce, you make it sound like that the, that they're doing this all the time. You know, it, this you make it sound like this is a you know constant reoccurring thing. Uh, a technical write-up by Silvanovich states that the flaw resides in WebRTC session description protocol that defines a standardized format for the exchange of streaming media between two endpoints, which allows an attacker to send a special type of message called an SDP update that would cause the call to connect to the caller's device before it's answered. Just a simple mishap, I'm sure. In 2019, Apple's FaceTime experienced a similar issue where hackers would listen in on users that they called before the user could answer the call. Look, we talked, what was it, like three months ago we talked about this? Facebook got caught again. Apple was caught. Sony was caught. And every time they say, oh, well, that was just a, that was just a bug that's a security flaw. And we've, we fixed that. That's, that's not a problem. It's the same thing when one of these companies like Twitter, when they go out there and they censor people and Jack Dorsey gets hauled in before a Senate subcommittee and says, what, are you, what is your company doing? Who in the hell makes you uh, an editor? Or, or some type of a uh, of a moderator, and he says, "Oh, well, that's a that's a security flaw, and we've we fixed that." They say the same thing. Zuckerberg says the same thing every time. Yeah, it's because they know they can get away with it. Of course they can. So anyway, all right. What were you saying? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What were you saying? Uh, and most of them take campaign contributions from those damn companies in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. So why would you think they're actually going to do anything? Time crystals. Google. What do you got? So. Uh, this is a while back. These are multiple articles, but when you link them together and the technologies together, it could be problematic. But here a while back, I think we might have went over it, but maybe we didn't. Scientists, uh, I don't have the article anymore, so this is off of memory. There is a type of crystal that forms in a uh, certain pattern and shape and whatnot, and it's stable when you use it for quantum computing. They're, they're hoping that they can use these for quantum computing. Basically, the problem with quantum computing right now is quite literally, you, you can have a quantum computer set up and just you walking by the quantum computer can cause the quantum, the state of the, what we'll say for, for, the, for the average person, just say the hard drive there, right? The data stored on the hard drive. It 
gets corrupted just by you walking by it because the quantum state is not stable uh, with, with the current technologies that we have. So it's not not feasible currently, quantum computers. That's why it's taking so long to get them up and running. These time crystals, however, are stable. And once it takes on a quantum state, it stays in that state. Okay. Explain to me again, please, because I, I was reading off on something else over here. I'm, I'm sorry, but I was reading on another on another screen. Explain to me what a time crystal is again, because when I think of that, when I hear that, when I hear time crystal, I'm thinking like some sci-fi, we're setting yeah. up some kind of a of a, of a time tra- thing like H.G. Wells or whatever, time travel thing. Explain to me what that is, please. So um, going off of memory, it's not exactly a time crystal in the sense of like you're, you're going to use it to time travel. It's a time, it's, it's a the structure of the crystal remains. So like you can change its quantum state and it'll stay in that state until it's changed again, right? Until it's, um, there's, there's a specific process that we're talking about. So it's a much more stable medium for quantum computers than uh, what we're currently using. So basically the idea is if we start using the, the time crystals for quantum computers, it creates a more stable quantum computer, which means uh, the outcomes that the the calculations and everything that it does is accurate. You know, it's going to be accurate. So if we combine that with the test Google and NASA did, and we combine that with the um, uh, current technology of encryption, and we use a quantum computer using the time crystals to hack um, the encryption algorithms, literally military grade encryption, every single countries around the world you will have them broken within an hour, all of them, using a quantum computer. Well, that's not concerning or anything. No. So the first country to create quantum computing and it be stable, or the first country to create a um, artificial intelligence, or both, it may require quantum computing to get artificial intelligence um, to advance any more than it currently has. Basically, your secrets are no longer secret, ever. I mean, I, I don't know at that point, there's nothing that we currently have that would be able to withstand um, a, a barrage from a, a quantum computer. Like the amount of data, you're talking about server farms, all right? All of Google's server farms to calculate the, the calculation that they did with NASA, if you ran all the Google server farms to calculate that, it would take something like 10 years for them to calculate it. And the quantum computer did it in a few seconds. That's the level of difference we're talking here. So there's no hiding it. There's no hiding anything with current technology. So uh, I don't know, man. The, the stuff that we have on the, on the cusp of happening is phenomenal, amazing. Uh, I mean, we could use quantum computers tied with artificial intelligence and create things that are super beneficial for the human race. And we could also create things that would completely annihilate us. So that's been my argument from the beginning is I, I like the technology that we have. It's just in the hands of extremely dangerous people. That's my problem with it is I, even, I'm not I'm not a technophobe. I, I'm not that no. I'm not that kind of person. I, I'm all for this stuff. But we've we've advanced so far so fast that we've looked at it as an attitude of convenience rather than take a um, precautionary stance and look at security. I mean, I, I've been yeah. sitting there warning about security. I mean, doing information security for the all these years. It's like, what in the world are people thinking getting on social media and stuff? I mean, back like 10, 15 years ago, I'm like, this is crazy. This is crazy. What, what are you people doing? And they were going headlong into it. Talking about how they're going to the grandparents or going out of state or whatever and posting that on their social media. So me as a burglar, I know you're going to be gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, hey, yeah, we're all at the beach, man. We're we're all down here. We're all on vacation. 
you know, they, they're doing the little check-in thing where it gives it a location. It's like, uh, okay, if I'm a thief, yeah, I'm going to go. I, huh, I know where I'm going. This person has listed going, on yeah. the, this person has listed on their, uh, their page too, that when they check into their house and where their house is. Yeah. Does that bother it's anybody? Lunacy. It's lunacy on, on a security sense. But to your point about the, the wrong people having access to this, even if we had a, let's say a um, benevolent dictator, Okay, they have no no ill, no bad, no nothing. Right, it's it's, it's perfect scenario, and the only people that have access to this technology are good people with the. I don't want to say betterment of the human race in mind because that's really been corrupted over the years. But for lack of uh, of a better phrase than that, uh, you know, they're, they're thinking about the the human race as a whole, right, and not wanting to harm or hurt anyone or what have you. All it takes is one person with malicious intent to get access to that. And the repercussions that we see from that happening literally could be the annihilation of the human race. I mean, it's phenomenal the amount of technology that we're getting and, and the things we can do with it. But the side effects of it is we're not looking at it. We're, we're not looking at, um, hey, let's make artificial intelligence because it can help us um, uh, cure diseases or um, um, make better technologies or, or you know, it'll help convenience. What happens if, if a malicious person gets a hold of that technology? What happens if they're able to create a, a neurotoxin or, or a virus or something that is so violent and fatal that we have no way of defending against it? I mean, AI can pick out things, patterns that we can't or that we don't see. So, uh, man. Well, to that point, to that scary. point, you had no, you bring up the AI thing where it, it can distinguish. Let, to that point, you put up something about how an AI tool can distinguish between a conspiracy theory and a true conspiracy. The conspiracy theory thing, for those that don't know, that started back during the JFK assassination. That's where it started, was that. If you thought that anything other than the official government narrative in the Warren Commission report, everything else, if, if you thought there was something out there that was different than what the government was telling you, well, then that was a conspiracy theory. And we've kind of, with all this stuff that's been going on, we've kind of brought that up to the new age. They've just kind of taken the same old term. They've dressed it up and they've brought it back. And that's what they've done. There is such thing as a conspiracy. There's a conspiracy fact, and then there's a conspiracy theory. But it seems as though these days, when you submit your take on real conspiracies, everything seems to, because of the mainstream, it's been it's being dismissed as a conspiracy theory. Well, it okay. That doesn't take away from the fact that it is a conspiracy. When I hear all of this uh, th this crap that goes on about, um, I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm trying to think of a good conspiracy theory. <laughs> when I hear all this this stuff that goes on flat about, Earth. yeah, like flat Earth or or this uh, this thing. Well, okay, we talked about it a while back. Some people think that there is a doorway. I'm not joking. You can look this up. There is a doorway under Antarctica that will lead you to a secret civilization that lives under the surface of the earth. That's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> hollow earth. That's another one. Uh, yeah. The hollow earth one. Yeah. That, that thing. kind of, that's kind of basically people living underground, but right. there's actually a, a, a miniature star underneath and gravity goes the other way for them. Uh, it, it's it's really yeah, it's, crazy. It's, it's really strange. And then I guess a conspiracy fact, a true conspiracy would be the fact that they're promoting this, uh, this man-made climate change garbage. And they're ignoring the fact that Antarctica used to be a 
um, a jungle, <laughs> a jungle. Yeah. So okay. Or masks. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or masks. Yeah. yeah. That that's a conspiracy theory. Yeah. The but it is there is a conspiracy behind it. You know, a true conspiracy behind it. The virus itself, the actual coronavirus itself, the COVID nineteen, that is not the weapon. The response to it is there's a distinguishing point that needs to be made here, and that's it. It's the response to it. That is the weapon. It's not the virus itself. The virus itself is just the medium. It gives them the ability to leverage the response, and the response becomes the weapon and the tool of control, not the virus. So there's an AI tool that's out there now that can distinguish between a conspiracy theory and a true conspiracy. Mm -hmm. So what is this thing? So basically, it's identifying patterns that we won't see. So this one is really not something, this isn't something we can't do, right? This isn't, uh, I know that's kind of a double negative and everything. What the AI is doing is something that we already do. Uh, when you when you look at criminal investigations and everything, they're piecing together a a a web of information, if you will. Basically, what this AI will do is it will monitor all social media, and then it will use the information that, uh, for example, somebody starts talking about COVID nineteen's a, a the mask wearing is a, a doesn't it's not effective or whatever, right? And then posts an article about it or or its story or whatever. What this AI does is it tracks everything, pieces it together, and makes basically like a timeline or a spider web of how. Um, how the information was propagated, where it started, and how it grew into the conspiracy that it is. So it can help identify it. One of the other things about conspiracies that are kind of notorious, if you will, about conspiracies is the whole goal of a conspiracy is to make it, to be quiet about it, right? To keep it hidden. You you, you are enacting something that you don't necessarily want others to know about. Yeah. That's right? why we have charges that are actually called, and I've actually charged people with what's called a criminal conspiracy before. You can charge somebody with conspiracy. I've done it. Right. Right. So uh, it's a real thing, but typically a real conspiracy, there's a lot of hidden information. Uh, you know, it's not, for example, information that's publicly accessible. Um, they'll hide it behind like top secret walls, if you will, if it's government, or they'll just hide it on disconnected servers, right? Servers that aren't online, um, self-contained or, or something to that effect. Whereas a conspiracy theory, you know, the, the actual theory of it, there'll be a lot of crazy wild ideas and, and explanations that don't really explain it, but aren't too far-fetched, but are far-fetched. I don't know. You know, it's kind of these weird amalgamations of, of information and everything, like uh, like we were talking Flat Earth or, or Hollow Earth or um, uh, we didn't go to the moon or, or whatever. You know, there's another one that says the sun is uh, like 20 miles from the actual surface of the Earth and it's this tiny orb. And I heard today that there's a video out there that's circulating, again, could be conspiracy theory, could be conspiracy fact. I don't know. I personally believe, until I'm shown hard evidence to the contrary, I personally believe we have been to the moon. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I really do believe that. Now, there are a lot of people out there that say we haven't been to the moon. But supposedly today, there is a video that is circulating that disproves the moon landing by the Americans. Now, here's the thing. I, I watched a documentary. You know, you know how Germans are all technical and scientific and they they do everything precise and they they have all that stuff right they research everything they're into like statistics and all that stuff right mm -hmm. well they actually did a documentary on this once and i watched it it was put together by a group of scientists and and researchers and everything and they recreated because we have the ability now to recreate the 
experiences that you would go through on the moon. We can recreate the vacuum environments and everything here like you would have in space. And we can recreate the uh, the type of effects that it would have on you and, and objects if you're on the surface of the moon. We can recreate this. Same thing with the... Um, with the surface of the moon, we can recreate it, obviously not with the actual you know, moon dust itself, but we can recreate something close to it. And I watched them recreate the actual moon landing by Apollo, the Apollo 11 astronauts, uh, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. I watched them recreate this and they did it exactly as all and they did it by all the footage and, and everything that was released and all the information that NASA was willing to give them on it. And what they found was that the moon landing happened. This is what their their final uh, their final recap was. The moon landing actually happened. However, and they, I love how they leave it open like this. It didn't happen the way that they say it happened. So you can take that for what you want. I mean, that that to me seems like it's a, a it was a um, kind of an entertainment thing, right? Could have it been. It's more. It gets more views to say, oh, well, it didn't actually happen the way that you were told, which there is some truth to it. But at the same time, how much of that is really truth and and for show, if you will, right, for entertainment purposes. So, I mean, personally, I'm, I'm uh, you know, as far as the moon landing and everything, I've not seen anything presented that, uh, you know, that makes me go, yeah, OK, um, yeah, maybe we haven't been to the moon. There's nothing that's been presented that that um, has done that for me. Um, all the arguments that I've seen for it can be explained scientifically. Uh, so take it for what you will, I suppose. What uh, do, do you remember the name of that? Was it on Netflix or something? No, it was it was actually on German TV. So it, it was all German in German. Okay. So, yeah, uh, I don't I don't remember. It, it's been a good number of years ago now that I saw that. But I, I specifically remember it. Might be able to find it on YouTube or something. All right. Let's uh, let's spend yeah, the last subtitles. few minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's spend the last. I'll, I'll see what I can do about finding it. Let's spend the last few minutes here on on China. We talked about hacking. We talked about privacy. We talked about uh, travel and all that stuff. Well, China wants, oddly enough, they they just happen to to have this idea. By the way, China's been open for business for months. I don't know if anybody knows this or not. They're all back to normal. They've been back to normal. No vaccine over there. No masks over there. Huh. Strange. China wants. Oh, yeah, they did it right. Of course they did. Yeah. China wants passenger tracking system for global travel coronavirus reset. Huh. Funny how they propose that. They don't just want it for their people. They want it no, for everybody no, now. No, see that you got to have it for everybody just to be on the safe side, right? It's just, it's for your, and to be honest with you, well, it's not even for your safety, Bruce, it's for everybody else's safety. Right. It's for, right. It's, it's for everybody else's safety. You don't want to hurt anybody, do you? You don't want to kill anybody. Mm. The Chinese communist president, Xi Jinping, warns traveler, or excuse me, warns, yeah, might as well, wants travelers to adopt a global QR code system to help determine their health status and travel permissions in a post-coronavirus travel reset. None of your business? What my health yeah, I, information I, is? I don't think... Well, it's, it, forget forget the Chicoms. I don't think it's any damn company's business. That is between me Agreed. and my private physician. And that's it. Agreed. That's it. That's not we negotiable. Laws. Yeah, that's not negotiable. HIPAA law or not, that's not negotiable. Well, if you didn't have a HIPAA law protecting your, your privacy to that information, then, uh, I mean, technically, they could require that information. You would have no defense no, for it. Well, well, it's right behind you. True. Yeah. During the virtual G20 summit on Saturday, President Xi called for a coronavirus global mechanism. It's a mechanism, you see. It's just a mechanism. Yeah. It's a which tool. involves, yeah, yeah which is, it's just a tool. It's, it's to make everything easier, right? It's for your convenience, which Safe. involves, yeah. yes, which involves international recognition of health certificates in the form of QR codes to allow people to travel freely. Why, why Pre- are we bothering with QR codes? Why not just go all out and go straight for the chip? Well, I, I think, I think, 
easing into it would be a little bit easier and, you know, it'd be just kind of a step. I mean, the World Economic Forum already has the system called Common Pass that's being tested right now. Right now, it's being tested between London and New Jersey, just if anyone was wondering. And it's essentially this. It's right here. It's this QR code system. It's, it's that. President G says the system can be based on nucleic acid test results in the form of internationally accepted QR codes. Of course, a PCR test, an instant PCR test. Of course, yeah, yeah, you know how accurate those things are, right? That's what he's referencing there is yeah. um, a PCR test. PCR test, test. yeah. Mm-hmm. We need to further harmonize policies and standards and establish fast tracks to facilitate the orderly flow of people. And we hope that more countries would participate. Well, yeah, it'll, it'll make it more convenient for you as the traveler as well, because then you have less paperwork you have to carry. You just have right. to have the QR code. It'll right. Have all the right. information right there for I, you. See, look how look how look how easy the the, the Chinese Communist Party is making travel for everybody. I mean, they, they just yeah. want to help get things back to normal. That's all. That's all they want. Uh, I'm sure China will be willing to help with uh, server farms and data storage oh, absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I'm sure that they'd be willing to help manufacture, I mean, put their manufacturing power to produce more smartphones yeah. for everybody at, at lower prices. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure they'd be yeah. very happy. To or help. even 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 that chip uh, that we we're referencing there. I mean, you know, in the future, when when the QR code, when they determine it's not safe, it's, it can be easily hacked. We need to have a, an actual chip physically embedded in your skin. Um, that'll, that'll be much safer. And, it, you know, we could do that at a young age for children. And you'll be able to keep track of your child where they are at all times. Uh-huh. What's the one thing that this kind of goes to that we've been talking about for two years now? Social credit, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. China yeah. launched the social credit system last year to watch over its citizens and to kind of decide the reward and punishment system. That's actually what they call it, for those that are unaware, based on personal behavior and the loyalty to the Communist Party. Now, USC campus, University of Southern California campus is already creating a COVID-19 surveillance system that will score the students. So under the scheme, uh, China's employed since February. Users are issued a traffic light style health code with a green code allowing someone to travel freely and an orange or red code indicating that they need to quarantine for up to two weeks. Uh, two weeks. It's four, yes. It's 10 days now, by the way, as CDC said. The codes are based on a combination of big data and information submitted by the users themselves. See, you've been submitting it for years. You just didn't know it. And believe me, for every input you put into that smart device of yours, that thing's getting 10 times more data back out of you. You better believe it. Hmm. Uh, I accept or I agree. That's that's part of the agreement. You give them that data. That's it. President Xi did not explain how the international scheme might work if it would or if it would mirror the health code system, which has been widely adopted by China. I'm, I'm sure that the citizens just love that. The lack of detailed information has already been flagged by critics who see it as a piece of social engineering. Of course, that's what the whole thing is. That's what all this is. All of it. In a tweet, the executive director of Human Rights Watch, Kenneth Roth, expressed caution over Xi's proposal. And I'm quoting here. An initial focus on health could easily become a Trojan horse for broader political monitoring and exclusion. No. I say it ain't so. He goes on and he goes more detailed in the tweet here. He says, beware of the Chinese government's proposal for a global QR code system. An initial focus on the on health could easily become a Trojan horse for broader political monitoring exclusion akin to the dangers associated with China's social credit system itself. Now, here's the interesting thing. You ask, how efficient is it? 
how efficient would it be? The Chinese, actually, they've been kind of building their own mass surveillance network for the past decade, which they've been using U.S. tech companies to do that with, I might add. Uh, Broadcom was one of them. Cisco Systems was the other one. Uh, that's how they're able to... Um, to keep up the uh, the great firewall, as they call it. Those are U.S. technology companies that have actually given them that technology to do it. And they are there right now, continuing to help them oppress their people, along with Google, along with Facebook, along with Twitter, and the rest. The surveillance network has been built in China, of course, I'm speaking. The surveillance network has been built as the world's most powerful facial recognition system and aims to identify any of its 1.4 billion citizens within three seconds. Nothing to be concerned about. It's for your safety. It's for your convenience. Only one way this ends, my friend. All right. We are out of time today, so we are going to have to uh, call it quits. But uh, thank you for sitting down today, Bruce. For those of you who would like to, please do give us a follow on the social media platform of Parler. We love getting all of your likes, your echoes, your comments, and your feedback. I love uh, love it when you uh, you parlay to me and uh, give me your uh, your feedback. Appreciate that very much. We also like it when you uh, when you echo our podcast when we do post them up there. Helps us increase our audience. We appreciate that. So you can follow me over there at Anderson 3 or you can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Also, if you want to reach out to us and you don't want to do it on social media, you can do so anytime by dropping us a line at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would humbly ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. Again, we're trying to grow our audience here as much as possible, but we need your help as a loyal listener in order to do that. So if you could pass this along to your friends, family, and known associates, we would appreciate that very much. We're available everywhere you get your podcasts with the exception of SoundCloud. Also, if you're a rating podcast, if you could jump over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Bruce, thank you for your time tonight. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow. 